This is the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 503, brought to you by Bald Eagle Comics and iFanboy listeners just like you. I can't believe it. The way you look sometimes. Like a trampled flag on a city street. Oh, yeah. And I don't want it. The things you're offering me. Hello, and welcome to the iFanboy Pick of the Week podcast, episode 503. I am Josh Flanagan. I'm here with Connor Kilpatrick. You sound silky smooth, Josh. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was—that's what I was thinking. Uh, and Ron Richards. Hello, hello, hello. Smooth uh, like a baby seal. That's—that's that's what I want to both look, feel, and sound like. We are there. Uh, we are iFanboy. Uh, we like comics. I've, I'm out of practice, clearly. Every week we read our stack of comics, and then one of us takes a week off because they got to travel for work, and then you talk shit about them when they're gone, and then when they're uh, walking there. Did we talk there, shit about you? A little at the beginning. But, Other than not being on the show, that's just standard. I know. It's just the, it's the well, you know, we're committed, that kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Do you, oh, do, yeah. you ex- do you expect any different? No, I do. It's, it's been like nine plus years of I, this. You said I was on the run from, for a murder <laughs> rap once when I was gone. I mean, <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> I don't know. Maybe I'm feeling vulnerable lately. <laughs> so, so like, oh, Come on, guys. Uh, anyway, each one of us uh, reads a bunch of comics, and then one of us gets the job of picking their favorite book of the week. We call that the pick of the week. We talk about that book. We're going to talk about other books. We will uh, deal with some other things, some stuff. Maybe read some read some mail. It should be fun. I'm not promising. Get our issues out. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so your spoiler warning is that this is a review show, so it makes sense that that we will talk about the things that happen in those books. If you have not read them, sort it out, brother. Ron, you had the pick this week. I did have the pick of the week, and uh, this week uh, showed the, the, the much-anticipated release of Tokyo Ghost, number one, from Rick Remender and Sean Murphy. And uh, first off, that, that's quite the team, don't yes. you think? Yes. I, it's, it's surprising that they have not worked together. It, it's it's, it's a, funny because like talk about like talk about a creative team for the iFanboy wheelhouse. Yeah, I, I, I was like, well, this this all makes sense. Right. Yeah. Like, is is there a writer that we've embraced more so than the Rick Remender, Jason Aaron? Like, there's the group of iFanboy approved writers, and I feel like there's a uh, there's a certain group of iFanboy uh, enjoyed artists, and it's nice to see them come together and uh, give us this. Uh, Really, really, um, I want to say it's not I don't, derivative isn't the right word, but like well. um, f- familiar, no familiar, but you, but I'm saying what well, a familiar, but at the same time unique take on a type of story. Um, well, the, a lot of Remender's future stories that take place in the future. This takes takes place in what twenty twenty eighty nine eighty nine are of the similar milieu. He has. Some very specific fears about the future. Yes, <laughs> that he that he works his uh, his his way through in these comics. And it's funny. It's funny because I feel like this has a lot uh, in common with uh, Prez, which we'll talk later on. Although Prez is shorter than in the future than than the you know this is further out, but a similar kind of uh, 
you know, similar kind of uh, uh, a, a weariness about the future and the technology that it comes from it and all that sort of thing. But um, but yeah, no. As, uh, in the back of the book, Rick Remet, well, so I should say, Tokyo Ghost Number One was hotly anticipated and delivered, and it was my pick of the week. Uh, it was the book that I had the most fun reading. Um, and as Rick mentions in his little write up and his welcome write up at the at the back of the book, you know, he said, you know, this is our obvious love letter to Road Warrior, Judge Dredd, and Thirteen Assassins, which I feel like Road Warrior and Judge Dredd are are way more obvious, but 13, <laughs> 13 Assassins, I, I, we're just gonna have to wait and see about that one. I definitely but, in uh, my head went, really. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You know what I mean, and that, and that's, and that's what, that's what made me interested in it. So, like, you know, so the thing is, is that the the Judge Dread comparison is obvious. I mean, this almost yeah. feels like Rick doing his take on a Judge Dread like um, uh, approach. You know, is, like, you uh, know, what's the book? I can't think of the book. What's the the, the two thousand AD? There you go. So this is like yeah. you could put this in two thousand AD, and everyone would be like, yeah. oh, right. Yeah, exactly. Um, although instead of Mega City One, we're still in Los Angeles and all that sort of stuff. Um, and the the motorcycles look kind of different. But um, yeah, it's like yeah, Bat Cycle. Yeah, it the does. Bat pod it really actually does. looked yeah. a lot like the Bat Pod. But um, but yeah. So what what we're introduced is we're introduced to these uh, two characters, a guy and a girl, and I'm I'm awful at names and I'm led to the, uh, and led is the big guy and um, uh, Debbie Decay. Debbie is Decay. The, is, is the girl and Debbie Decay is unique in that she um, rejects technology. She's uh, she's somewhat anti-technology, whereas Led Dent is her big bruiser guy, and he is as plugged in as can be. Um, so yeah, she's she's the only one in Los Angeles not plugged in with these implants yep. that makes basically turn the entire society into technology zombies. They're constantly looking at screens in front of them that are holographic. Uh, her her partner led her partner and slash uh, lover, or love of her life has constantly got like eight or nine screens: pornography, reality TV, Twitter, all these different uh, screens going all of the, all of the time. So he's yeah. constantly connected to things, looking through them at the world, and uh, it's a it's a very dark look at to, to, Rick. Rick has a lot of feelings about technology. Really Rick does. A, Rick has a lot of feelings. Yeah. <laughs> um, and for me, I mean, this is just another tour de force from Sean Murphy. Um, mm-hmm. If you look at the layer of detail and stuff that's going on, there's a, there's a, in the opening scene, there's a, um, or in the early part of the book, there's a, there's a uh, death race. There's a, you know, kind of a cars racing each other. And like, they look like, do you remember the, the, a lot of them look like the hot wheels of our youth, yes. yeah, right? Do. Yeah, like that that one the yellow, yellow one. The yellow yeah, one. Yeah, nice. yeah, with the with the engine popping out of it and the, and I mean, Sean Murphy just like no uh no short uh, does not fall short on the details, does not fall short on things going on in the background and like little things. Like every page is just a marvel to look at and I just kind of drool over it and and you know, and the combination of Rick building this, you know, kind of technology-laden world um and with Sean Murphy's detail just sucked me completely in. And you you know, and and I you're gonna say dry. No, um, and Whoa. and it, and it quickly and it quickly made me realize that yes, there's a big motorcycle, and yes, it's kind of yeah, you know, kind of judge dready, but this is this is something completely unique and something completely different, and um and just totally completely captured me. And the villain in this, I thought was uh was was great. Uh, this top hatted millennial obsessed wannabe character, <laughs> oh. where every everything is a video game, and his arm he's got a power glove with an with an NES controller and an Atari controller, and a, you know like it, it just like it plays on 
some of the worst parts of our modern um, society going back to the 80s to now, you know, a combination of uh, retro nostalgia and things like that, um, and to see the, the inevitable, or not inevitable, but possibly inevitable uh, future that we, that we could end up in. Um, and to see our protagonist, you know, reject it and, and fighting for a way to get out and finally gets there and is, you know, and Debbie is able to say to Led, you know, like, come, come with me. You know, like you can, you, we can be free. We can go to Tokyo where there's no technology and it'll be fine. And he just says, uh, my shows are on. Yeah. <laughs> Which I thought was well, correct. The shows are on. Yeah, exactly. Um, I, mean, yeah. I, I, was, I, I, I just imagine both of you were looking at that scene and going, well, yeah, the shows were on. Yeah, the shows are on. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> like, two, I, things that, two things I thought about as reading this. One, uh, you always know you're looking at a Sean Murphy comic. Yeah. He, he is a style that is unlike anything else and, out and there. And it's weird to go from uh, Chrononauts just ending uh, two or three weeks yeah. ago and then to go to this because right. it looks so much like Sean Murphy. I was like, oh, this is a whole different thing. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? So the other thing is is that I think Remender is very much carrying the legacy of Warren Ellis, who yes. is not dead, but still carrying his legacy. <laughs> um, Presumably. Uh, War, the book, Warren Ellis' books have a very similar tone. At least they did uh, 15 years ago when I started reading them. In, in, in that the world is, the world that these characters are in is very pessimistic. But there's always a very optimistic central character. Right. Well, I was gonna, I was gonna say this actually. I, I I felt as if you know Rick comparing it to Road Warrior and 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 Judge Dredd and Thirteen Assassins. I I thought you know when immediately after reading it, I was like, oh, this is a lot. This is very Transmet esque. Yes. Yeah, you know, and, and not that it has a lot. It doesn't owe a lot to Transmet, but it's definitely in the same arena. It's tonal. It's very yeah, tonal. tonal. Like, they're yeah. like we're screwed. The world's going to hell, but there's there's hope in this character that we can we can pull out of it. I That's also I also got a. This felt a lot like a like a Joe Casey book to me too. Interesting. In that that same sort of thing, like a lot of stuff going on. It's very referential of things. It exists within a culture. I guess, which is something yep. that he does. It, it honestly, it didn't feel a lot like a Rick Remender book, except uh, there are bits of it that just exactly sounded like him. That's it, interesting. It, I felt it was very much him. I thought it was like weird inside his head. Well, usually there's a really sad person in the middle talking about how they failed themselves and everybody. <laughs> there is. Well, that, I mean, that, yeah, that, I'm not, that's, I'm not making that one up. Um, yeah, he just doesn't talk that much. Yeah, right. Or, yeah, and so yeah. in this one, uh, there was a, there's a specifically one dialogue box, and I was like, "Well, that's Rick." Yeah. <laughs> she's in the casino, and she's like body pirating, clone incest, snuff prostitutes, Hong Kong suicides, slots, clown torture. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> clown torture. <laughs> There, there was a, there was a couple of there was a couple of Rickisms that as you as you get as you know Rick yeah yeah I mean like that was him which is isn't there a, is there a state is it a state sketch where the monkey torture <laughs> there might be I and I think that clown torture flagged monkey torture in my head and I read it just like that and I I it's very funny yeah clown torture anyway. But there's some very trenchant observations about how technology is well, being used and taking over people. I mean, the, the idea that Led would rather watch the pornography than have sex with, with his girlfriend. Yeah. That's not, very, that's not unusual. I don't think anymore. Yeah, that, um, I mean, that's, that's, that's a very uh, damning thing that's happening. And it's, it, there's a lot going on here that's very – you're just like, ugh. Yeah. So, I don't. I don't any of this. No, I, I, and I just and I and I and I can can only imagine the glee that um that Rick wrote this uh, villain with you know the millennial obsessed villain who you know talks about you know you know he's going on a murder spree and he goes now you know uh, now for an equally impressive exit with hella body count 
And this yeah. is YOLO bitches. And like, it was just like, yeah. it's like, oh man, it's like, I'm cringing as I'm reading it, but I totally understand. Like it, it gets, you know, it gets the, it gets the point across. Now, so. But then again, he talks, oh, he talks, I'm sorry, one quick, he talks about in the essay, he's going to, the tone will change a lot. If you look at yeah. the preview pages, you've almost oh, got a samurai-esque story going on when they get to Tokyo, which is in the story, the only place left on the planet with no technology. Yeah. Um, so you've got a completely different kind of pages going on. So it'll be very interesting to see how this book progresses. So yeah. you remember, Sorry, Josh. You remember a long time ago when we were playing The Sims? Yeah. Yeah, a long time ago. And, yeah. and, and the reason that I had to stop, and I know that Connor's the same, I don't, I don't know where you were, uh, it was stressful because it was too much like real life. Yes, yes. exactly. And yeah. that was one of the reasons I actually had a little difficulty with this book. Because, <laughs> no, because seriously, yeah. the thing that he is damning in it, he had to, he had, they had to depict... Yep. And I found it really dis- – like it was really like upsetting me. Yeah. Well, you're the most connected technologically of us. Really? Well, he's the most millennial of us. You, you, I mean, you use the most social media <laughs> the, of the three of us. You're, you're wired 24-7 into Facebook and Twitter. Yeah. This is not news. This is not news. Whatever. <laughs> it's not untrue. But the, it's just that that's, that must hit you hard. Maybe. Yeah. I, I wouldn't – I think there's – doesn't matter. What's funny because the two of no, but, like, the moving two, on no the, the issues here let's the, go the let's two do of it. you are constantly like sending me links and stuff I'm just like I don't know how you have time to read all this so it's like the I same don't. it's whatever is your yeah. constant input the point is there's like all of this input going on all the time and I was like this is making me tired and I want to turn it off because I had just like stopped working like when I went to read it um, and so while I liked the message and and I very much helped to read the sort of afterward at the end to be like okay that's where they're going with this. At first, I was like, there's so much. I couldn't grab onto anything, um, mm-hmm. which is what it was supposed to be. It's fine. But I, I found it like it literally stressed me out, uh, you know, with the combination of the book. art. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it worked. It's like, but whether you want that as an entertainment experience, I guess. Um, well, I would say the second issue looks very different. If they're changing locales, going from Los Angeles, which is the hub of all the stuff, to a place with no technology, it should be interesting to see how that works. Clown torture. Well, those clowns had it coming. I just I like to watch them scream. <laughs> so, yes, so, so Tokyo Ghost number one, uh, new series. So check it out if you didn't check it out. I enjoyed it. If anything, I mean, it's it's a great you know mix. Two great creators doing some cool stuff. So it's definitely unlike anything else out there. So pick it up. Um, but meanwhile, uh, I, I I didn't believe my eyes at the comic shop when I saw Captain America White number one. I did just a lot. Ten of, years in the making. This I did a lot of uh, two thousand eight. So that's when zero came seven out. Seven years, right? Yeah, so, seven years. Um, eight, eight years. Seven. No, you're right. Seven, seven. seven um, yeah. I had to like check, and I was like, "Is this a, is this a reprint? Is this a, what are we doing here?" And then I was like, okay, no. <laughs> is, this, "Is this real? Is this?" A- <laughs> no, I just thought I was like, "Am I just going to read this thing that I read seven years ago? Like, is that what I'm doing, or, or or did they put something together?" And then once I was like, "Oh, it's it's a real thing." Um, I was really very happy with it. I think this would have been my pick of the week. Yeah, mine too. Jeff Loeb, Tim Sale, returning to their color their color series. They did Daredevil Yellow, Spider Man Blue, Hulk Gray, now Captain America White. So, so now here here's a question for you. Yes. That color that color series came out in the two thousands, right? Early early two thousands. Early two thousands. Yeah. In safe to say, a different world a uh, very when it comes world. to comics, a very different landscape. There and that's no, why I like this so there much. There were no well, millennials say, then. I was I was gonna say yeah there were no millennials. Um, I was gonna say does does this matter as much as the older ones did when they came out ten years ago? Who gives a shit? 
I'm just saying it's a different world. I don't so think I mean, that like, matter. it yeah. matters for what in terms of how think. you how are you describing yeah. matter. I mean it. Yeah, it's, it's a great, great it's comic guys, and you know, and that team doing a type of book. And if you liked that type of book, and they can still do it the same way, then play ball. I mean, they're going to do that on my favorite Marvel character. Right. They're gonna. I'm gonna get to see Tim Sale and and Dave Stewart do World War II era Cap and Bucky. What they do best? Oh man! I and I, you know what? A long time ago, you had made this point, uh, Ron, of of pointing out panels that had no black borders. Yep. Um, and they they show up later, but in the first part, there's no black borders in these panels, and it's great. I was like, oh, that's. I want to see more of that. Yeah. And I'm notice. I was noticing things like that. So I was appreciating that. And. Uh, Oh, it was. It felt a lot like um, I don't know. It uh, it it just felt good, and it was not hokey. It brought me it brought me back to that time period when when yes. we first started iFanboy. You know what it reminded me? You know what it felt like? It felt like New Frontier for Marvel. It, and it was funny because I was as I'm reading this, it, this definitely f- feels the most cartoony. That Tim, uh, the uh, uh, Tim Sale, that I, more cartoony than I remember. His style is definitely. I, is I had seen him in such a long time that I, yeah. I honestly couldn't quite remember. I was like, "Is this yeah. what it always looked like?" But there's a couple of things in here. You're not going to tell me that that New Frontier didn't influence this. There's like bits where Bucky's jumping around in the background, looks just like Robin. Yep, jumping around in the background in New Frontier. There's the bit in the the my favorite sequence in the thing was in the plane and and yes. uh, Fury's like nothing's gonna stop me from lighting my <laughs> when it blows up. And then you have that <laughs> that full page spread of them falling backwards through the tube. In the upper left is you know for, foreground is is Fury yelling hit the silk. Like, that looks like a Darwin page. Yeah. What what about when when they when in the beginning when they they jump on the motorcycle? Captain America's on the motorcycle yep. and Bucky's standing yep. on the back the and you know like yeah exactly yeah like. And then, also the 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 uh, scale is very. Uh, oh, it's great. Yeah, I'm fine with it. Uh, it's, the it's thing awesome. is, the and thing then, that made me happiest was that this is a Marvel that I miss. This Marvel universe. Absolutely. This is a Captain America that I missed. This is a Steve Rod, uh, Nick Fury that I missed. This is Dum Dum Duggan that I, I was missed. So this happy is a world that I missed, and I love to be back just for twenty, you know, twenty like, pages. Like, weren't you like, oh, it's Nick Fury? It's actually right. him. Like, great. And uh, yeah, and I really like the script. I like the tone. Uh, you know, I got, I got no. I, it's the thing about Jeff Loeb is that he will do stuff sometimes that I don't like a lot. But yeah. really, when he gets in there and and he does his thing, like he's got the stuff, and it's very specific. Right. Like he's got, I think if James Robbins is another guy who's really specific, you know, there's a there's a really cool voice there that he can do, uh, and it's fun to see him when he's when he's at his best, and which is impressive because this is a guy who's a TV executive most of the time now. Yeah. So this is the story of uh, so it opens with the famous scene where the Avengers discover Cap and he wakes up and realizes that Bucky is dead. And we f- and he is uh, sitting in a church when Fury, modern day Fury, you know Nick Fury, uh, gives him his medal of honor, gives him Bucky's medal of honor, and uh, so then we have a flashback to when when uh, a when Cap and Bucky first met uh, Nick Fury in the Howling Avengers, but also when Bucky first actually no that's the that's the second part um, when it's, it's basically when yeah. Nick F- Fury and Howling Avengers first have their first adventure with Cap and Bucky, and then we get a reprint of issue zero, which did come out eight years ago. Yeah. Now, which now, features the origin of Bucky, which was also really fantastic. And that's where you can see the difference in the art, actually, between the two. Uh, yeah, and I was going to say, actually, I like the new art better. Interesting. I, I do. It there had a really sort of um, very rough quality to it. Um, it it's almost, not completely different. It's very similar, but there's yeah. a slight, slightly more cartoony than the new stuff. 
Yeah, the, there's good. It's a little more line based where there's sort of like a bunch of pencil shading and stuff in in the older older bits. I'm wondering if the new one's digital. No, I don't. I don't know. I don't think so because I, I could see. Well, yeah, well, yeah they, I don't dude, know. they can make brushstrokes and stuff. Yeah, I was gonna say I, you, you definitely see brushstrokes in the new stuff. But in the old one, you see yeah. is a page But is that of, just Dave Stewart coloring black and white brushstrokes? I don't think so. Yeah, I don't think Tim Sale works digitally. I wouldn't be surprised if anybody's working. You know, I'm not surprised about anybody working digitally at this point. Yeah, yeah, I guess not. I don't so. know. I don't know. This is a this is a great old school Marvel comic yeah. though. If you are yeah. a fan yeah, of that, in the middle of sort of everything else that's that's going on, whatever all those new costumes are or anything, to just be like, like get into some sort of for us totally like roots Marvel. You know, like this is like because in our our sort of period of of really getting into iFanboy and starting this and everything, these were the, these were sort of seminal books and event books when they came out of the time, um, mm-hmm. and so it's it's a nice little throwback to. And me. we were psyched when they announced this. Yep. Seven years ago, and yeah. we were ready for it. Remember, I remember being. Was it New York Comic Con? Yeah, was? Andy Diggle, not so much. And then uh, never happened. Never but happened. No, I finally did. So there you go. Good things yep. come to those who wait. Indeed. Now, Josh, I feel like every time the fade out comes out, I say the same thing. But I think this might have been my favorite issue. Of fade out, <laughs> fade out yep. number nine. This is the first issue of the third arc of this story, and here we get a lot of answers. We get the uh, backstory. On uh, Charlie and Gil and their friendship and why it's so fractured and messed up. And it, it is for a very good reason. It's a very specific frame. And I thought, is that what's happening there? Oh. <laughs> and, then, oh, and then we find out a little bit to about... the other room, guys. <laughs> yeah, they could have just slid 20 feet to, to any direction. She likes um, it that way. And then, there, then we get a big old uh, clue onto what's going on in this really fucked up golden age of Hollywood. And the thing is, uh, it's awful. It's really horrible. What they uncover and what the studio is trying to cover up, and which is probably why the murder happened. It's touched off this whole thing. It's like the, it's like the end of Chinatown. You're just like, oh, that's awful. But <laughs> that's, uh, this, I mean, it, within all the awfulness, this is just this continues to be just such a wonderful comic, and I, I can't get enough of it. I really can't. And this was a really great issue. And he, what's interesting is he, Brubaker. This is Brubaker and Phillips. Brubaker talks about in the back how uh, people have mentioned how there's certain issues of this book that are good jumping on points and he's like there is no good jumping on point other than issue one I, this is yeah. a this is a this is a novel and if you just picked up this issue and read it you might see a really well crafted comic but you wouldn't have any emotional resonance as to what's happening here yeah. i want to um, i want to give a shout out shout out to uh betty brightweiser mm-hmm. the colors going on in this thing are nuts that that sort of coloring that's coming through the the blinds that sort of purple and blue sort of palette uh it's really great and the sort of sickly green of the flashback of having sex with your uh, best friend's wife in front of him. In front of him. What? <laughs> no, I know. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I really actually really enjoyed their story. I liked. I did too. Gil came to Hollywood as a hot writer in the '30s, a novelist, and his first job is to rewrite F. Scott Fitzgerald's screenplay, and it just <laughs> goes downhill from there. It's just. Uh, he gets chewed up by the Hollywood machine, and then it takes this new kid, Gil, comes in who sort of lights his fire again. They become writing partners. Gil gets the Oscar nomination, and then uh, but then they get down, screwed downhill from there. The war happens. Gil goes comes back with shell shock, sleeps with his friend's wife, and she's just trying to get his shell shock gone. That's all she was trying to do. It's a mercy it's fuck. Service. It's public service. He's a veteran. He's a, he's a veteran. <laughs> <laughs> it's not wrong if he's a veteran. 
It's not. I, I was in the war, you know. Oh. So, oh. So. Oh. You want to go get a drink? It's fine. Um, and the really awful thing is that you know that, that a lot of this really awful stuff happens uh, happened in mm -hmm. the uh, Golden Age and probably still happens somewhere in Hollywood. And but, it's a miracle uh, machine. We make fantasy. So, so the big reveal here is that Gil had been following the studio head and his security boss around town and blackmailed them falsely to, to draw them out and he drew them out and they found they were burning f these photographs and he managed to get his hands on some and it includes the the old studio people having sex with the uh, little rascals uh, the version of little rascals in this world so it's awful yep but good comic <laughs> awful um, but good <laughs> yeah well that's something yeah. it describes a lot of Baker's crime stuff yeah, yeah. it's true Going all the way back to the uh that scene of the crime book. Yeah, oh, jeez. So, anyway. uh, Hawkeye number five, or the ingroning. It was <laughs> so ingroniating. You, you still read this? I, I can't not at this point, and I hate it more each time. Notice at first, I was like, yeah, it was pretty good. It's interesting. At this point, I was just like, oh, this is, oh. So, so now we have an answer when people ask you, what do you guys read that you continue to read but you hate? And Josh always goes, nothing. I don't read anything I hate, but now we know it's Hawkeye. Yeah, I because I wanted to turn around. I like these people. I like mm -hmm. the characters. I like the creators. God, by the end of this one, though, I just... Ugh. This is still Jeff Lemire and Ramon Perez? Yeah. So they've so got these... So what was so bad about it? There's a bunch of things. They've got... Did you, you read any of it, Connor? No. Okay. So they've I broken... Did. I read it. Yeah, I know you did. I'm just, okay. too. I care. I know. Uh, you're going to make comment. You're, you're there for me. I know. So, okay. All right. I'm here. So the, the, the basic of this, there's two things going on. There's a flashback of the story, which is Clinton Barney back with the swordsman in the circus, and, and we find out where it all began, blah, blah, blah. Um, and then the current day story is Clinton and Kate. Uh, they broke into a, it was a shield facility, I think, and they found these kids who were horribly disfigured and they'd been experimented on and basically they're like uh, the kid from the Twilight Zone. They're Bill Moomy. Like they, yeah. they think you're bad and they, they can just dissolve everything around them. So we open this issue and they've dissolved a bunch of... Are those Hydra agents? They What's are Hydra agents. Okay. Those are Hydra agents, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So... And then Clint's like, this is horrible. We can't keep doing this. We should have never done this. And then Kate's all... Uh, uh, self-righteous and she's like what are you talking about they're monsters and then so and he's like they're gonna keep chasing us forever and she's like we should go to the avengers and he's like no i don't know why and so they let a bunch of uh, uh other hydra agents come in and take the kids away and I'm which like, i thought which i thought was odd isn't that weird yeah that was weird and maybe yeah. this is part of the story maybe it seemed super <laughs> i don't think so though because i don't feel like he'd be pulling a thing on her but i don't know maybe and i i reserve that this could be this could be like a like a Han Solo's wife, like that kind of thing, like a bit of a a swerve, a swerve, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah but it yeah. seemed like that's what was going on, because then we flash forward to old Clint, who of course has a old beard man Clint, a, of course has a beard and a fucking ponytail, exactly like Oliver Queen, <laughs> exactly like Oliver fucking Queen, and his sad pizza is dog is arm? sitting there next to him, and he tries to give the dog the pizza, and the dog doesn't want it. Oh, it's a, it's a, bad. he's, he's rejecting Clint via pizza. And then, and then, and then old Kate shows up and she's like, we made a mistake. We have to get them back. And I just was like, oh, it's very lost. We have to go back. We made back a mistake. It's just, oh, it was, and then oh, just everything. It was like, 
Everything that didn't make me groan was hackneyed, which also made me groan. I really... You know what, what I think is so funny, though? Am I wrong that, like, about this? this? Is, like, did I read this, this is wrong? Ju- this is, no, you're not wrong. You're not wrong. I groan, too. But this is this is Jeff Lemire and Ramon Perez, two creators that I would go as far to say that you like. I like them a lot, and that's a why lot. it's hard. Yeah. I, though, I, I've, nev- I've never felt right about this book. I think... I feel like they should have just ended it when when Matt Fraction and David Ajo walked away. It should, it should, yeah, they should, well, they should have ended it, and it should have gone away for a couple of months, and mm-hmm. then come back and do your own thing. But or do a new, completely new direction, new take on the character. Yeah, not but to the, emulate. but the problem is, is that the book was selling, and why would you know? Don't no, I, uh, I get it. Yeah, yeah. But it's such a hard thing to try to exist within that very specific thing that they set up, and what we're doing here. Yeah, and and it it feels like it, but it doesn't. Like the flashbacks are. Are kind of cool. They're more interesting, because right. um, I like the story that they're telling. Also, just we ignored the fact that Hawkeye was was deaf for yeah. decades. Right. And I think we should have left that in the box. Yep. I really don't like it, and I know maybe it's like we're showing this amazingly beautiful blonde Aryan man, and we're saying, <laughs> "Well, no, but he's deaf." <laughs> like that's his his diversity. I. I, I, I but it just feels super like 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 we need a thing to talk about. Right. We're going to talk about this thing, and it it doesn't add anything. Right. It doesn't give me. I don't like the reasoning. I don't. He got hit so hard by his dad that he went deaf. <laughs> like I just said it out loud, and it made you laugh. <laughs> no, exactly. <laughs> because like like it's like it's taking the metaphor and making it real. Yeah. Like the the your dad beating you can fuck you up enough mentally that you don't need to also be deaf. Yeah. <laughs> but it's worse. Yes, it is. But we have, yeah. <laughs> well, Daredevil's blind. Oh, man. And it, it He's makes, also. Oh, just. It's okay. It's okay, Josh. You don't have to like he it. He didn't okay. want the pizza. Yeah. Fuck that dog. Listen, you can reject somebody emotionally and not reject delicious pizza. Yeah. I've yeah. been there. I've been Unless there. it was from Papa John's. Do- also, dogs. And by all means. Dogs who like pizza it. are going to eat that pizza. <laughs> that's for sure. I mean, once they, you know, that's the thing. Once they get a taste for pizza, there's no going back. I, I you know, I have a dog. It's like a shark with a taste for bl- human exactly. blood. Exactly. Yeah. There's nothing. There's nothing. My dog could be in a bad mood or whatever. Like, like if you were like, here's a piece of popcorn, he'd be like, fucking love popcorn. It's all he's thinking about. There's no. Yep. I just and he looks exactly like Oliver Queen from Dark. Come on. <laughs> Should the dog be dead at that point? Yes. This looks thirty <laughs> years later. The pizza dog is fifty. <laughs> I don't do uh, this often. I hate giving bad reviews, especially for creators that I like. Yeah. But I, I, the the only thing I think is this is all a big feint, and at the end I'm gonna feel stupid, and I'm totally prepared. I'm I'm ready for that. So that's and fine. you're gonna see it through. Of course, I can't not at this point. I don't know. There must have been a Batman run somewhere that you were like, I just I just gonna keep reading it. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. But I was locked in for life at that point, yeah, Josh. Yeah, that's that true. That was a lifetime commitment. I remember the Orca. That was the one I'm thinking of exactly. <laughs> that's the one I think of whenever someone says, wasn't there better than Batman? Orca. Orca, Orca, Orca. <laughs> the whale lady. <laughs> the whale lady one. Terrible. <laughs> Who did that? Went on forever. <laughs> Larry Hama? Oh, yeah. <laughs> God. Scott McDaniel, was it? All-time, one of my all-time great writers. Yeah. Just... yeah no, that's, that's the other thing. Like, that's when they... What's happening here? Why is this? Why? Why is this? Yeah. So there was that. I haven't done that in a while. <laughs> Josh is going to stew on that for a while. I'm going to talk to you people. Move on, because I, I can know, keep going. 
Uh, we know you're trying to save money in your favorite comic books. So we have found the perfect store to help you do that. Bald Eagle Comics is an online comic shop where everything's marked down 20%. In addition to the outstanding discounts, they also have weekly deals, which can help you save up to 70% on all your favorites. And the savings don't just apply to back issues. You get the same deals on Marvel and DC new releases as they come out every week. I know that you're thinking, with these kind of discounts, they must charge a lot for shipping. That's how they make up their margins, Ron. But no. <laughs> Shipping is just $3 for the entire order. And if you spend $50 or more, shipping is free for two-day two free shipping. As collectors, you want your comics to arrive safely, which is why every comic from Bald Eagle Comics comes from a free, with a free bag and board, and they're shipped in a special vendor-proof package. And the good folks at Bald Eagle Comics are doing a special deal just for listeners of our show. You can get all their comics in their store for half price. That's 50% off. Just use coupon code IFANBOY with all capital letters. That's 50% off all comics with coupon code I-F-A-N-B-O-Y. Just visit www.baldeaglecomics.com to order your comics today. 50% off! Okay, listen to that. Take advantage of that. Especially exactly. considering yeah, all the four ninety nine books. That's, that, that's a lot of money. Because there's two things yeah. you're going to do there. You're going to show this, this, this uh, wonderful supporter and advertiser that you're listening to the ads and you're taking action on a good... And then you're getting 50% off of your comics. That's amazing. I'm not, I'm not shilling right now. I'm, I'm literally like, that's great. You should totally yeah. do that. It can't hurt to try, no. is what I'm saying. Try it once. See how it goes. And we thank them for their support. Thank Definitely. you, Bald Eagle Comics, for your support. Check them out. All right. It's a very good deal. It sounds wicked Ooh. American. Here we go. <laughs> All right. So, so it seems As like we didn't talk about Star Wars enough last listen, week. Listen, I just got to say, I'm getting a little bit of the fever. I'm getting a little <laughs> bit of the Star Wars fever. Um, uh, yeah. So this week saw Star Wars number nine and Lando number four. And, um, and essentially, I'm just looking for any reason for Jason Aaron to call me to yell at me because he yelled because <laughs> after last time he got mad at me. But um, in Star Wars number nine, uh, TIE fighters land on the surface. They do that. That happens. That was well, weird. That was weird. It's, it's weird, right? It's yep. weird. So I, I did some research. I was like, oh, he's, fly, he's flying right in. Oh, yep. oh, no, he's walking out. Okay. Go yep. ahead. It happens. So, it happens. So originally, TIE fighters, TIE fighters are, could not land. The wings were, are not sturdy enough. And if you remember correctly, they would hang in the hangar, like attached by the sides and a little thing. They, you know, they, they, they were always space bound, basically. Um, and I did some research online and found many message boards of people arguing over whether or not TIE fighters can land or not. <laughs> I thought that was like a, and this is probably just a, legends now, but yeah. I thought that like they weren't able to land on purpose. Right. Yeah. No. The, exactly. The, so that they they wouldn't escape. They could just fight or go and go back to the where you know the docking, whatever, where Death Star or Star Destroyer, or whatever it was. I remember that as well. They I don't. I don't escape. quite. I, I don't know what the source of that was, but yeah, it was done by design to keep the uh, to keep the pilots, you know, kind of focused and, and all I, they could do. You know, I guarantee yeah. you, nobody at Lucasfilm thought of that. But I. Love and also, it. they have they have no atmosphere in the ship. That's why they're wearing the helmet with the tubes and everything. So like, you can't live in that ship. Right. But here, yeah. here's the thing: in the trailer for *Force Awakens*, you see them on their wings, in the in the ship. That, that, that's new. I don't care. That's, that they might have changed that. I'm talking about the old stuff here. Come okay. on. I know, but I'm just saying. It, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> what, is the, what is the *Force Awakens*? <laughs> Can we? Jesus, well, Jim. anyway, so according to Wikipedia, in the canon section. All right. Uh, uh, the original Tie Fighters uh, were designed not to be able to uh, to land at all. 
Um, and then uh, as part of a five-year plan for the industrialization of the Outer Rim Territories, uh, TIE fighters were uh, built with sturdier wings, which allowed them to land on the surface. That's a good reason. Uh, yeah, which is a feature not included in the standard TIE. Mm-hmm. So I don't know whether this five-year plan is before this comic takes place or not, but I just have issue with TIE fighters landing. Other than that... I but want this, this com- comic takes place right after episode right four. Right after Star Wars. Yeah, exactly. So the exactly. five-year... Okay. Yeah. Right. The question is when that five-year plan started. That's I need I need to see what the uh, what the what the footnote on that is. Um, but ni- neither here nor there because I love this comic. Oh yeah, this is by the way the five-year plan was during Star Wars Rebels, which takes place before A New Hope. Okay. So it's viable. It's viable. It okay. Matt, Jason Matt Aaron. Checks out. Jason Aaron, I will allow it. I will allow it. All right. But that said, I am in love with Stuart Eminem drawing these characters. Stuart Eminem. It's so good. Stuart Eminem. That's my review. Yeah. (laughs) Stuart Eminem. Um, And uh, Stuart Eminem drawing a very concerned Mon Mothma. She She gave him up. (laughs) <laughs> and like the thing is is that like I read this comic I read Mon Mothma's lines as the woman who said it in Jedi sure. where sure. she says please forgive me Skywalker where it's like it's just, many Bothans died it's the same yep. tone it's the <laughs> so what is the story going on here I don't know there's a lot, uh, of, no, stuff. Uh, there's a lot of stuff happening in this issue yeah there's a lot of stuff there's going a on. hut so, with mechanical legs and a Hulk body like Mojo mm-hmm yeah. Um, no, but so what you got is you got two. You got kind of A and B plot going on. You got Han and Leia are together, and um, Han's wife has sold them out to the Empire, and the Empire is now trying to capture them, and they they narrowly escape with some good hijinks, some good Han, like give me my gun, like that kind of arguing, that sort of thing. So it's, it's, that was fake wife, real wife. Well, we don't know yet. She's still referring to him as as the, she's like, come on, hubby. The you tone know? changed a lot in this yeah. one from the last issue, though. Where yeah. we're now like. I forget what the moment was, but now now they're all fighting against the Empire together. Basically, like he was like, "I'm a rebel," and she's like, "Yeah, oh. yeah, she, yeah." She didn't know he was a rebel, yeah, and so that's why she was okay. She was okay with selling out Princess Leia, but she didn't realize that he joined the rebellion. Um, but then Han explains that and and says, "Help us escape!" So they jump in the wife ship, which is like a modified. It's like a Millennium Falcon if the cockpit was in the middle. It's kind of weird, but um, so she's flying the ship. And the highlight of the issue is when Han says, "You know, I really think I should be the pilot." And then they, they both Leia and his wife at the same time interrupt him with a shut up, which I thought it was yeah. very had that comedy had the you know had what you expected. Well, um, he should be the pilot. He's a good pilot. I know, yeah. But then you also have on the on the same side you had uh, the B plot is Luke uh, went out to Narshada by himself uh, because he's trying to get passage to Coruscant because he wants to go to the Jedi Temple. Like he's trying to figure out what the Jedi's are and all that sort of stuff. Um, and in a very cool twist, he encounters this hut who collects Jedi memorabilia and has a Jedi holocron and makes. Luke kind of activate it, and that was kind of cool. Um, and then, but then he, uh, the hut says, you know, you're the last of the Jedi, and now you're mine. You're part of my collection, and so that required Mom Mothma and General Dadana and Admiral Akbar to say, what should we go help Luke? And they say no, but then Chewie says, I'll go. So now Chewie's so, going to go help Luke. So uh, here's my request. Yeah. Every other issue, not every issue. I'm not being unreasonable. Every other issue, I need one page of Dodonna. Mon Mothma and Akbar working this talking, shit, yeah. working this shit behind the scenes. Yeah. I, was like, I agree. This is that's the Dodonna moment I've been waiting for. <laughs> <laughs> I want to know why Dodonna faded away. Like why? Where did Dodonna go after New Hope? That's what I hope. That's what I want Jason Aaron to answer in this I guess series. That actor died. 
Yeah. <laughs> um, so let us let us go over to, over to Lando to Lando Land Lando system Lando Land Lando Land that Lando is a system. line in the book. It is a line in the book. Lando Oof. Land Lando Oof. Land. Are you with me now that Charles Soule is not the writer for Lando? I don't know. I'm back and forth. Other than that, that was one ah. that I was like, eh. I think it's interesting. I'm not 100% sold, but, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know about this book. It's tough. There's things I like about it. There are definitely things I like about it. I think, I think the tone, if not the words, seem to be just about right for Lando. And, you know, we don't really have a lot. We don't know a ton about him. I don't think he's got all that much... Background. Yeah, he, I think he's he's got the swagger down. It's just yeah. the it's just Lando Land. I mean, I didn't I like know. that. There's there's like always like a, a line or two. I'm like that's weird for me. There's always yeah. one thing that makes you go. Oh, that said, I loved everything else. I I, I didn't love See, it, but you know, I liked everything else. Yeah, I liked the Ugnot. I liked the these cat people. I didn't I know that Ugnot was a lady. Yeah, yeah. The so. cat people. I don't like the cat people, but I like everything about them except for the fact that they're cats. Right. What's yeah. going on with Lobot? Lobot's still in the back to tank. He's in the back to. He's yeah. F. They keep they keep saying, "Listen, we do this, and that those his implants are going to take over his mind." <laughs> they keep saying it. It's yeah. it's uh, it's Chekhov's gun, but it's like right. Lobot's mind. Yeah. So that's 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 that takes care of all that. This is that's our version where I was just talking about the Hawkeye. I'm like, I'm hoping this is a thing that makes me have overreacted. Right. Um, it's still going to call him low though. We're going to find out. I mean, the, my guess is that he comes out affected and no longer is as casual as he was. And that, that's, I am no longer low. I am. But low I have off. no idea when this ends. I mean, the next issue, think, there's a tease for the next issue. So, Do you think there's any chance that you could get a variant of this where all of the Lando pictures are replaced by the ladies' man? <laughs> Maybe. Because no. I think all the dialogue continues to work. <laughs> well, hey, hey, hey. There's a lady. The person chasing him it turns out to be a, a, a beautiful, sexy lady. Yep. <laughs> and, and and she sees that it's Lando, and she's like, oh, I will stop working right now for the Emperor. I will be with you, Lando. Because he's got so, that kind of charm. Alex McCrindle played Jan Dodonna, and Alex McCrindle lived until 1990. Well, so he just, did, he just didn't get the call for Empire. He, he, what, was, what it was is he got on the phone with Alec Guinness, and he was like, can you believe this shit? And Alex was like, I know. <laughs> I don't like it either. And they just went back and forth. Was it was, was Alec Guinness and yeah, the Beatles? Yeah, he was a Beatle. It was a, he was a, he's the fifth Beatle. I was like, I was like, back it up, back it up. Too late, it came out. Shit. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's move on. Uh, Connor, Harley Quinn. Harley Quinn, number 20, I wanted to mention briefly, because in this issue, Harley Quinn is on the case of a missing persons, which takes her out to Hollywood, which allows uh, Jimmy Palmiotti and Amanda Connor to work through some of their Hollywood issues, or their, their L.A. issues, really. Why, why am I not surprised that they have L.A. issues? <laughs> so uh, <laughs> worth, worth mentioning this because uh, on her cross-country flight, Harley is having a daydream. Uh, she's asleep and having a dream where she's a stewardess on a plane full of superheroes, but also Jonah Hex. So you get a little bit of Jonah, uh, Jimmy Palmier out of Jonah Hex action again. Ooh. He's got a lot of little bottles of whiskey from that flight on his tray table. Mm-hmm. Um, now, also, that- there's a good scene. Real, real quick, real quick. There's a scene where she goes to... Hollywood Boulevard, uh, where they, you know, it's full of uh, Hollywood and Vine, is where all the people in costumes are. And there's a Harley Quinn from the animated series, and she's like, "What? What are you wearing?" And so there's a little bit of fourth wall breaking in that. So because she's not, she's not like that anymore. Right. There you go. It was fun. I, I actually like this. I, I talked about it before. How yeah. one month I'll like it, one month I'll get tired of it, then another month I'll like it. I liked this one. 
but I, I, can see I, I totally I, related to that thing where like this is a really cool idea and then around issue 12 16 you're like all right that's yeah. you know there can be too get, much of a good thing uh prez number four uh there's there's a lot going on in this book. This book. Well, they got only like, two more issues, so they got to cram yeah. it. Cram I mean, it that's in. what I was thinking. I was like, this, yeah. you're gonna have to make your point soon, there, Press. Yeah, they're, yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're three quarters done, and there's there's still a lot of story. Yep. Um, but there's a lot going on, both humorly, humorously, seriously, dramatically, and I'm just amazed at how much they they're packing into each issue and how it's working. It's, it's working. It for is me. excellent yeah. satire. Yeah, excellent satire. Yeah. Yep. So. Uh, yeah, and it's funny because it really does work. It's very much a bit of a counterpoint to our pick of the week this week. You know, yeah. the, the, just kind of doing the same thing but with a completely different tone. Yep. Um, so yeah, but I, it's great, and it's a shame that you know what you know, like predictably, you know, like we called it as soon as we could. You know, but, I really uh, like the structure of of the the way that this thing at the end was revealed, though. Yeah. I really like basically they they just they do the idea that every time we we have a war we call it like a great victory but there's always some unintended consequence World War One created Hitler uh you know World War Two created the Cold War like all these things and then we see that happen over the course yep. of this issue these are just really really well well crafted comics I gotta I gotta give it to them yeah um cool so uh to continue with the 50th, 50th anniversary of shield we got uh an agent carter number one one shot by Catherine imminen uh who wrote it and uh I, I really wonder how many people pick this up and go why does agent carter have blonde hair <laughs> so as we continue to try to confuse everybody between the comics and the tv show but uh other than that, it was fun. I mean, I'm, I'm enjoying these shields, these, these shields book, but there was no, there was no uh, Steranko or Kirby art, unfortunately. Oh, that's too bad. Yeah, but uh, but a pretty pretty sweet Declan Shalvey cover. So there you go. I wanted and, to mention, uh, and, and on the cover, it, she is in like in one color. Like they don't they don't show that she has blonde hair on the cover. Right, it's very funny. So black and white ish. Yep. yep. Wearing, they should have had her wear a wig at some point. Yeah. Uh, black canary number four. I wanted to mention because Pia Guerra oh. drew it. Really? The last man. Yes. Thing. So you didn't read this, Ron? You were joined Black Folk. Black I man. did. Yeah, I missed it. I, it's, I uh, did read it, but I didn't realize that. Yes, because I, I feel I feel like I just hopped on at issue two or something like that, and I don't entirely know what's going on. So I'm. I oh, I don't. Know. I don't entirely know what's going on either. But uh, I like the art, and Pia Guerra was doing. I mean, it's her, but it's also a little bit more stylized to fit in with the book. Yeah, it is. That I think that's why I didn't notice it. It definitely felt, I was like this, uh, now that you're saying it like after the fact, it's like it did feel familiar. And now I'm looking at it, I'm like, oh, it's totally, it's totally Pia Guerra. That's neat. I like that. Yeah. Yep. So other than, I, the story, I don't know what's really going on, but the art is, was really great. Was this canceled? I feel like this doesn't exist. For Not long. yet. Okay. I also, okay. I'm, I'm liking all of these DC variant covers that are taking place squarely in the pre-New 52 world. Yeah. Yeah, yeah totally. <laughs> All right. Well, Josh, uh, how can how can the folks help us out? Well, it's easy, Ron. Uh, they can go to ifanboy.com slash support. There's a couple of things you can do there. Uh, first and foremost, nice and easy, you can go to our, our Amazon link there, and anything that you buy from super mega retailer giant Amazon.com, we get a little piece of. Costs you nothing. All it does is benefit us. That's <laughs> That's all it does. No, you'll get your stuff, too. I, I order stuff. I need some stuff. I don't want to leave. I want him to bring it to me. I'm not saying I want a drone. I Sometimes know. a package will come to Josh. And he might not and know he for won't days. He know about it for days. <laughs> well, I wasn't expecting. 
if I'm expecting a, a package, I will go outside and look for it. If I'm not, sometimes his friends will buy him something as a surprise, and uh, no, we'll hear nothing about it for days, well, even after it's been delivered. Maybe sometimes someone should say, "Hey, look outside," because you did. <laughs> and then I was like, "Okay," and then I was like, "Cool." I'm glad I looked outside. I went out to check the mail at a certain point. I didn't see it. And now I see why you had such stress reading Tokyo Ghost. Continue. (laughs) Anyway, uh, so you can do that, and we we greatly appreciate it, uh, and thank everyone who does that. Um, You could also, uh, Ben, you could uh, contribute directly. You can uh, have an iFanboy membership uh, for either $3 a month, $30 a year, or any amount of your choosing at one time. It's up to you. If you want to contribute directly to iFanboy to say, hey, I appreciate what you guys have been doing for a decade. I, the show is important to me. I want to I want to show a little token of my appreciation. I want you, I want you to know uh, that I, I materially support you and wish you to stick around. Then you can do that. Uh, and we thank everybody who does either of those things. Uh, we, we very much appreciate it. Uh, and you make the world a better place because you're taking part in, uh, in this new amazing economy uh, and keeping our show going. Yeah. We really blabbed on that first segment, or the first we, two segments, with comics really did. going along. Um, Star Wars came up. Star those Wars. are the comics we wanted to talk about. If you want to go to iFanboy.com, you can find a post for the show and talk about other books or those books, whatever books you want. We'll do some audience questions. I don't know how many we'll get to. Uh, where are we in time? Okay. Do you want to uh, start with RJ from New York? We'll do uh, well, I suppose since you've said his That's name, you said to. So <laughs> RJ, our hand. RJ from New York says, in a recent episode, Connor and Ron were discussing DC's creative malaise, and the words regime change popped up. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't recall saying that. I don't recall saying <laughs> that. I definitely didn't say that. I'm not named. I was wondering, are there any names in the industry that have given an editorial slash executive position would get you excited? And this is the classic, well, who should replace Dan DiDio then? And I find that fascinating. I thought this question was interesting because we've seen picking these questions, Ron, that will get us in trouble. <laughs> With who? We don't care. We're off the reservation. No, I'm just saying. <laughs> go ahead. You go ahead. I have something I, to say later. I mean, I mean, the thing is, is that like go, dating back to because the thing is, we started when I started reading comics. Tom DeFalco was the editor in chief of Marvel, and I don't even know who was the who was editor in chief of uh, DC. Who was the editor in chief in, in the '90s, Connor? Paul Levitz. Uh, Oh, it was Paul Levitz. Yeah, he was the publisher. Yeah, he was the head of it, whatever. Yeah, and then, and then it wasn't until Joe Casada became editor in chief was I was like, oh, somebody actually know like a creator can be the editor, you know? Like, well, that's and that's not entirely true. Roy Thomas. No, I didn't know though. Okay. I was a dumb kid. I didn't okay. know about Roy Thomas. What he knew, what he knew. Yeah. Okay. I went back and I understood and all stuff like okay. that. So I don't know. But but the question is that do we think that any does a good creator necessarily make a good editor in chief? Oh. Like no. He's, yeah. See. Oh. There you go. No, yeah, and that's the thing. No, that depends on the person. No yep. one, no one in the world could have predicted that. And I'm going to add Jimmy Palmiotti into this too. That that yes. Palmiotti always and Casada, overlooked in that. Yeah, that Palmiotti and Casada would sort of create a system that would then take Marvel from from literally nothing. Like they were bankrupt. They, they I remember. Yep. Do you remember the conversations we had? Like we should buy that Marvel stock. It's 15 cents a share. I remember. Yeah, a bunch of fucking idiots. Yep. <laughs> but at the time, who would have thought? You know, like, there's no way. And so, you know, Palmiotti was an inker. Right. Uh, Casada was a a penciler, not not a huge name. You know, like a guy that was pretty good. They were were good solid names back then. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, They'd created Ash. They'd done one sort of creator-owned series, and I I think no one would have seen that coming. No one would have suspected that. Uh, um, Carmine Infantino, you know, he ran DC for a really long time. You know, he was a pretty good artist, but it wasn't like 
Oh, whoa, whoa. No, I... I oh, yeah, hey, yeah, 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 That's not my point. That's not my point. I'm saying he wasn't like a superstar. That someone was like, you know what? He was. That guy should run everything, is my point. I don't think that that, that was a thing. So, like, but right you never now, know. I mean, Dick, Dick Giordano was an anchor. He ran DC. It, yeah. you know, I mean, the, Roy Thomas was a writer. I mean, but it doesn't, it doesn't necessarily mean they'll be good at it. I would, I mean, I would tend to think, hey, I want Mark Wade to run right. DC, okay. but he didn't, he, didn't, he didn't really do a good job running Boom, at least well, that, according that's, to That was going to be my point. Yeah. So the thing is Everybody's you can pick point. out somebody who's your favorite creator, and that doesn't mean they're going to be good at running the whole line. You know, let's, not forget, let's not forget Jim Shooter. Jeff Johns. Yep. Jeff Johns, not that he's doing anything wrong, but you know, like he's, he's not the, he's not the publisher though. He's no, a, but he, you know, he CCO. they put him in a creative, and I, I I liked his work a lot more when he was just doing the work, yeah, mm-hmm. rather than trying to run the line from a creative standpoint, which is I don't even think that's a thing that's happening anymore. But I don't think that those two things necessarily correlate, um, at all. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. It's interesting. It's um, I mean, it's funny how the editor in chief of Marvel is equated to the publishers at DC but the publisher at Marvel is you know like like Buck Dan Buckley the publisher well, at Marvel is a is a business guy he's not a creative guy you know yeah, um, he still he still meddles in the creative though yeah, yeah, no, yeah. so is Bill Jemis too so, you know. yeah. um yeah. and uh Alan let's Fine, not forget dude. that that Alan Fine Bob Harris is the editor in chief at DC a name we do not hear. Oh yeah you're right yeah yeah you never hear, hear it yeah, which is yeah. a weird choice because he was the editor in chief at Marvel during a period that not great yeah I mean, yeah. he was the one that ran it in crap. I mean, I'm not saying it was his fault, but he was at the helm when they went bankrupt. Is that right? right. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That's that's or at least during that time. So, you know, he was the one that Joe Casada took it over from to to bring yeah. it back up. Yeah. Although although it can be argued that uh, whatever. Now we're yes. getting into all that sort of the, stuff. The, yeah. No, there's a whole lot to it. Yeah. I don't want to. I don't want to use the word patsy, but yeah. This is why I don't like these questions. <laughs> I, just, I don't know just, anything. The thing yeah. is, like, it's really hard to be like, you know. Alan Moore is a very good comic book writer. He should be in charge of the company, and that's not his skill set necessarily. Right. That's yeah. that's the point I'm getting at. So, yeah. I, and a lot, and a lot of times would make a good editor in chief. And a lot of times there are people in editor in chief publishery positions who are there, you know, and and because they they navigated the right way, but it doesn't necessarily mean they're, they're the right person, you know. Like I think it's a, it's a very unique kind of role, and it requires somebody who's got creative and business mindset and. Too much of a of an imbalance. I mean, like part of the problems we see at DC is is you know right now is everyone's you know kind of up in arms because they're reacting to low sales and that's a business problem, mm-hmm. you know. And and they're looking for creative to provide solutions. I mean, it's it's a, it's very difficult. That's what I'm trying to I say. I also here. think but, that yeah, like yeah. Uh, I think there are a lot of editors out there who are very good, but we don't know it because if they're doing their yeah. job, you have no idea to know it. But like, take a guy like. Um, well, he moved over, but like Steve Wacker, I think he was a good editor. Yeah. People seem to really like working with him. He put out a lot of good books. Um, Nick Lowe, you know, he's the X-Men guy. But when he does like a sort of side project, like he's a great, he knows how to put together great things, not huge selling things necessarily. But, you know, like he was behind like Fury Max and that, that kind yeah. of stuff. So there's a lot of really good editors that I think people don't know about. Um, right. Well, it's this is a very it, those are very behind the scene kind of role, you know. Yeah, yeah but so, like but, I think guys, I think the guys like those would probably be, you know, there's probably a lot of guys like that who would be pretty, really good in the big chair, but it doesn't necessarily make a big story. Yeah. I, I mean, yeah. that's well, what Axel D- Alonso was. Yeah. DC's big problem from my perspective, and I don't know, it could not be. I don't work there, but from the outside, it looks <laughs> from the so people, the stories we hear is that there's the power structure is all screwy. We, yeah. Yeah. There's two too many people. Co-publish. There's co two co. There's two co-publishers. There's a editor in chief. 
there's a chief creative officer. There's all kinds of other people we don't know about, and and that that kind of thing can lead to fiefdoms. Yeah, which which lead to problems. So it, it's not so much a matter of just swapping out the Dan Dio. I mean, first of all, he's just one of the two co-publishers. It's it's yeah. the whole structure needs to. And no one wants to blame Jim Lee. The whole thing wants. Well, yeah, I think. Yeah, well, anyway, <laughs> no one blame. No one blames the, the superstar. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, uh, one last quick email. Connor, you want to read it for John Josh? from Plainville, Illinois. John says, I'm a senior in college. Don't we'll say it. Just go past it. Move on. Can't. Can't. I'm a Do senior it. in college and just really just and really just whoa, too many just. I'm a senior in college and just really just got into comics a little over a year ago. Ever since then I've just I've just been reading as much as I can, <laughs> trying to build up my knowledge. Take English which, classes. Also meant, which has also meant a lot of Googling to try to grasp characters and past events. One thing that I can't really figure out is where to start with Jack Kirby. I know his legacy and have read about him, but not any of his work. What collected editions would you recommend as far as essential or best Kirby available? Josh? I think we're all going to say the, you should read the Fantastic Four. Yes. 152? Yeah, well, first of all, I think it's commendable that he, I that J- John, as a, as a whippersnapper, a bastard millennial, uh, <laughs> Wants to, he, he he wants to learn about Kirby. earlier than them. He's whatever is after millennial. He might be that. Wants to learn about Kirby, uh, but also it's going to be tough because, you know, Kirby is old school, and a lot of modern readers have problems with old school stories and art. Because if Kirby started drawing a book now, he had never been around. He just started. Everyone would hate it. Well, yeah. So, but he invented the thing, so it seemed like he right. Was but also some, what I mean is, it's hard for sometimes for people who are new to the medium to understand why Kirby's so good. If they just see his art, they may not under, like it. I, like you didn't like yeah. it at first. Yeah, yeah. When yeah. You I liked. think that I think that the key to being able to appreciate it is to understand the context in which it exists. Um. So for that, like, I almost think if you you sort of read the history and you you get a context for all those things, because if you just jump into like you know let's let's get this one thing, it might be hard. I have a I have a omnibus of Captain America from when he returned to it in the 70s. Yes, it's a good one. It's, good it's one. great looking, but it's weird, and it's not necessarily like I'm reading this and going, well, this is an amazing writing. It's not. Well, well, well and, that's, and, that's, and that's the thing. Is like I was gonna, what I was going to say is like after Fantastic Four, which I absolutely agree, but then um, Commandy all the way. Mm-hmm. Commandy is, Commandy is, which he wrote, he wrote and drew. What about and, the New Gods? I, I, I I that was going to be the other thing I was going to say. Yeah, well, I, I, th- I think personally, I think Commandy is the best thing that he wrote. You know, I think it just, it's so, because it, it, it's all alone, it's set in the way, you know, it's at a different time, and it's, you know, like, and it's it's crazy, and it's different, and it's, you know, whatever, but it's, it's I, I just think it's wonderful. Um, the New Gods stuff is really good, too, but, uh, yeah. So. But it's also weird. Like it's yeah, it's, yeah. it's, well, it's the seventies. People are very split on on the writing. Like yeah. some of his sentences don't make any sense, you know. But from a sort of overall world building standpoint, it's it's hard to beat. Yeah. Listen, he was a weird guy. He was. He yeah, was a which really is great. Weird guy. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I think the context to understanding it is absolutely crucial. Unless, I mean, unless you just get it, and that that's great for you. But for me, I definitely needed that. Yeah. It's hard. People have to really understand what they're looking at. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. But but right. good on you. This is what you should. This is what you should be doing in college. This is exactly, exactly. what college is for. Exactly. And so, threesomes. Good, <laughs> so damn it. Take notes, John from Illinois. <laughs> threesomes and Kirby. Um, all right. So if you have a question, you can email us at contact.ifanboy.com or call and leave a voicemail at one eight 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 fanboys. That's one eight eight three two six two six nine seven. And be sure to tell us who you are, where you're from, and keep it brief. We're getting lots of very long emails, and we can't sit there and read a book. Uh, it's bad radio. It's bad podcasting. So keep uh, keep your emails brief, like John and RJ did, and keep your voicemails down to thirty seconds. And that's how you could get in on the action. Speaking of getting in on the action, a lot of you wrote in for episode five hundred one, right, Connor? 
Yes. I don't know why this is on here, but we 501 is still It's a reminder. A little reminder. It's a, it's it's a reminder. Like, watch the video. Go watch the video. Yeah. That's we did. So eight uh sorry, I saw I saw something else in the script that threw me completely off. So um <laughs> two things. One, the video is up on our YouTube page and our website. So if you'd missed the live uh, stream of episode five oh one in which Josh got drunk and almost fell out of his chair. You can watch that on YouTube.com slash iFanboy and also on the uh, one of the embedded posts on iFanboy.com. But just go to the YouTube page. It's right there. That was on. And uh, also, if you sent in an email and we didn't get to it on the show, we are making our way through them on this show itself. So hopefully uh, you'll hear your email answered eventually. So thank you for everyone who participated in that. Yeah. Uh, really fun night. And, uh, and I assume the thing that made gravy pause is this next thing. Should I still yes. do it? Or, yeah. All right. So, uh, so yeah, you like this podcast. You like, you like, you, I assume you like uh, the three of us. Uh, you're going to want to stay tuned uh, to the iFanboy Twitter feed on this Monday, so tomorrow, uh, as we've got a very exciting announcement. Or today, depending on when you're listening. Or, or today. I mean, yeah. So this podcast comes out on Sunday, the tw- uh, on Sunday the 20th. Let's just say on Monday the 21st, stay tuned to the world of iFanboy. Uh, we hope some of, you, so, some of you it's will be excited. Thing. The other thing. Not, the other not, thing. Well, you're yeah, something yeah, you yeah. never – Yeah, <laughs> no, some, down, down, down the way. Something you never so, heard of. Yeah. So, uh, you okay? That's, uh, yeah. You all right? So, appropriately vague? Appropriately vague. And we'll talk more about it next week after all of your minds are blown. You said you was, so. you said you was all right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you can head over to iFanboy.com. You can comment on this show. You can talk about the books from the week that we have talked about. You can, you can tell me how much you love Hawkeye or how much you like the new Lobot. You can find all of our other podcasts. You can find all the things that we've done. You can follow us at facebook.com slash ifanboy. You can follow us at ifanboy on Twitter. And you can follow us individually at J.A. Flanagan, at C.S. Kilpatrick, and at Ron XO. If you like the show, write a review on iTunes. I mean, don't review the last five minutes. Yeah. It's an anomaly. <laughs> Keep in mind the previous hour and forget the last five minutes and then write a review on iTunes. Tell uh, people what you thought of the show. You know, good, bad, ugly. We we accept all reviews. They all they all keep us honest. So if you uh, if you that's how you can help us, and that's how you can help any podcast you listen to. If you write them a review on iTunes, really helps people find them. Better yet, tell your friends about us. Introduce your mom to podcasts, your comic store, your bookie. Sometimes a bookie needs a podcast to listen to as he drives around picking up his his, his bets. Your so, wig, uh, your wig guy, your wig guy. Yeah, if you have a wig guy. <laughs> yeah. So, all right. I, spread the idea quite well. I got guy. him. I got him. So, uh, all right. So that wraps up for this week's show. As always, thank you for listening. Uh, go shop at Bald Eagle Comics and uh, go to Amazon and do all the fun stuff. We thank everybody. We love you all. Uh, until next time, I'm Ron. I'm Connor. And I'm John. Everything I know,